Nourish your inner power with alcohol-free organic sparkling teas and botanicals made with ethically sourced, regeneratively grow ingredients. That's right, drinksarilla.com. That's drink, S-A-R-I-L-L-A.com. And you can check out their variety of flavors from sparkling organic green hibiscus tea to sparkling organic white ginger tea. They have sparkling organic apple black tea, sparkling organic lemon black tea, Tulsi lime sparkling botanical, and rubus vanilla sparkling botanical as well. That's six different flavors to serve. Or you can check them out online and get the Cirilla starter pack sampler gift. Drinksarilla.com. Try it today. Welcome to the Bullish Picks Podcast. All information herein is for information purposes only. Nothing heard on this podcast is considered financial advice. Bullish Picks cannot and does not assess, verify, or guarantee the adequacy, accuracy, or completeness of any information heard on this show. The hearer bears responsibility for her or his own investment research and decisions. Great day, family. You are tapped into the Bullish Picks podcast with your main man, 100 Grand, Ken Blanks Harrell, right here, streaming on your favorite podcasting platform, where we give you everything you need from Main Street to Wall Street so that you can navigate these choppy waters. You've got stock market questions. I've got stock market answers. Tap in. Catch me on IG at Ask Blank. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for sticking with us on the Bullish Picks podcast with your main man, 100 grand, Ken Blank Terrell. And we are talking about everything real estate investment related. We are here with our resident expert, Mr. Clayton Neal. Clayton, I know you don't like to use the term expert or guru or any of those uh, you know, uh, monikers, but you are a very trusted resource, a highly respected, highly sought after resource as it relates to real estate investing um, and all those things, especially in the Metro Detroit area. And we're grateful to have you here um, today, um, taking just the time out of your busy schedule to, to share with us and introduce yourself to our listening audience. You mentioned last time we were speaking that investors are buying, and I quote, buying, buying, buying. And I'm curious, you know, what exactly are they buying and most importantly, why? Right? Are they are are investors putting their money in single family homes? Are they investing in multifamily homes, apartments, condos, mobile homes, vacant land, farmland, commercial real estate? Like, where's where's the actual money at? Where's the action at? Great question. So, and I don't want to sound vague, but it really depends upon the investor. Of course, we've seen a ton of movement. In the single family sector, that's not uncommon, you know, because investors are going to invest. If you're a real estate investor, you're going to you're going to find the deals in any climate. You know what I mean? Whether it's a buyer's market or a seller's market, you're going to find deals um, because this is no different than a stock trader who finds a way to make money during a during a bullish market or a bearish market. Real estate is the same way. You know, investors are going to find a way to make money during a during a buying market, a selling market, a down market, an up market. Right. So the single family sector is, is, is definitely still very active. The multifamily sector, um, it is active, but it's not as, as active as single family for, you know, obvious reasons. One, there's 
you know, there's there's more single family inventory on the market always. And that's pretty much probably, you know, any any state, any city that you go to. Um, but also the multifamily sector is I don't want I don't like to use the word niche, but it's it's more of a niche sector because, you know, everyone doesn't everyone is not attracted to multifamily properties um, for their own reasons. You know, some people only like multifamily uh, properties for their various reasons. Some people feel like, you know, you get more bang for your buck from a, a monthly ROI, NOI, whatever the case may be. So so that's attractive to them, whether it be a two family, a, a four unit, a 20 unit, whatever the case may be, you know, you got to have your stuff in order to, you know, to get up into that, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40, you know, and up game. But it's achievable because really the process is the same, a little bit longer. We'll save that for another show. But the single family sector is very active. Multifamily sector is, sec- is active. Commercial sector is slow. Commercial sector is slow, especially in certain cities where, you know, the retail and the office, I guess the office, you know, building type sector kind of dominated the commercial space because you see a lot of vacant office buildings right now. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. I was really going to ask you about that because you got all these layoffs with big tech and stuff. You see a lot of layoffs over the last year or so um, with high profile Wall Street companies and they're paying leases. Some of them paying mortgages, but leases for sure on this office space, like tens of thousands of square foot. Just And it's just empty cubicles and not just now, but through pandemic. So that was like two plus years. I know they just like recently declared that it's essentially over, but if they're still paying these leases, but everybody, a lot of people doing this remote work, these, that they're losing with these office space. So I wonder about the, the, the office space, the skyscrapers, the strip malls, the retail phase, like you said, even the industrial parks, the medical parks, um, you got real estate out there. You got the farmland, you got, um, just so much more. And I'm just trying to figure out what part, what I guess niche within real estate isn't hasn't been beaten down as much by what's been going on over the last few years? Is there like a safe space for newbie investors to look at? Is it better to look at a single family? Because you know you got all this HDTV stuff out there, and everybody thinks they can go flip a house and make fifty thousand, right? Right, like just like that. I mean, I don't. Is that is that realistic? Are those? Is it because they're doing all flipping those houses in California? You know, uh, great great question. So I'm a, I'm gonna jump back to the office space and the, and that 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 whole climate. Um, yes, you got a lot of vacant spaces, and it's and it's you know it's directly correlated to the remote work, right? But then now you see a lot of these larger corporations. They're trying to now say, okay, you know, hey, you know, let's come back into the office where people have gotten used to the remote work. And, you know, a lot of companies will preach, you know, well, the culture, you know, the culture of the office dynamics and actually being around your coworkers and having these face to face meetings and being able to team build. So they try to preach the culture. But, you know, and like I said, I don't try to give my opinion, but I'm going to give it in this one. In my opinion, I think it's more so to your point that, you know, people are paying money, you know, mortgages, leases, or in most, most, most cases, leases on these spaces. And they feel like, hey, I've got this space for another four or five years. I need, I need butts and seats. So I feel like I'm at least getting some of, some of the bang for my buck and I'm not just throwing money into the dark. So I think a lot of it has to do with that more so than, 
you know, the culture that someone's trying to build for a particular company, because studies show that you're getting more productivity, you know, on average, you're getting more productivity from people working remotely than you do in the office. Uh, really? More, Is that what the study said? Uh, people are more inclined to do some work on the weekends. You know, they might just open their computer at nighttime and do some work and here and there because you don't feel like that you're it doesn't necessarily feel like work when you're not in the office. You're working, but you're 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 more likely to get because when you're in the office, think about it, you know, you're chit-chatting with people, you know, people will just come stop you for you know impromptu meeting or questions. There are a lot of and people say they're distractions. I think there are way more distractions in an office environment than there are in a remote setting, depending upon what your remote setting is, right? If you've got an office at your home and then you know you know, it's quiet. You don't have a bunch of things going on. I mean, you can totally lock in and, and, and get more done in a shorter period of time remotely than you can probably in an eight hour shift at the office. I mean, I, I mean, I think most people would agree with that. Wow. Um, OK. OK. Well, you heard it here first, folks. You said it. Yeah. Um. And then so as far as, you know, areas or sectors that have been hit the hardest, I think that goes back to more of a regional thing, right? I think it really depends upon where you're at um, and, you know, what the, what the dominant industry is there, um, you know, how much commercial space is available, how much commercial space is occupied versus not occupied. And then you can go into the residential sector. You know, we have a city like Detroit here, you know, our commercial sector is is not really huge, right? We've got a downtown, which they're, you know, they've been building up at a very, very rapid pace over the last 10 years or so. And there's a lot going on down there. But once you leave out the downtown area, there isn't like, uh, you know, areas of the city, you know, you got a couple of little small stretches, you know, here and there where you've got like, you know, large commercial developments and retail space. But for the most part, it's a it's a residentially dominated uh, real estate city, right? Um, we're 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 seeing a lot of new things come about, but you know I can't say that you know the commercial sector is just being crushed in this particular area because the commercial sector was not that great to begin with, right? We've 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 been we've been hurting since the '60s, um, and now we're just starting to see you know, an attraction to the area where, you know, big box stores and, you know, brand name retailers are feeling good about coming and investing and setting up a brick and mortar in the city. But, you know, if you go to other spaces, you know, like a New York or something, their commercial sector could be getting hard because, yeah, they've got tons of office buildings and, you know, you know, skyscrapers and all this that are probably, you know, half empty. Right. We don't we don't have that here. So I think it's on a regional basis as far as, you know, which sector has really been been hit the hardest and why. Very powerful, very powerful, very insightful industry. Interesting, to say the least. So main thing is it's active. The real estate market is active, um, not only in your area, but other areas around the country. We know that you know prices vary and in, in inventory varies in a number of different things but the overall sentiment is that people are still bullish on real estate investing absolutely my takeaway from that absolutely i was curious clayton from a wall street perspective are there any tickers of any companies that have their hands deeply rooted within real estate 
or perhaps any REITs, any real estate investment trusts that you may have your eyes on that you think people should potentially consider for their watch list? Great question. I don't do a whole lot of investing in REITs. I've actually got a couple on my watch list, but I've got one that I've actually been investing in maybe for about two years now. Now, I'm not telling anybody to go invest in this. So this is just one that I've been investing in for the last two years, mainly because I I, I kind of like their model. And the entry point, the stock is, I mean, it's cheap. That's New York Mortgage Trust. Ticker is NYMT. I think I, I started investing in that in maybe probably 2020, you know, 2020, maybe early 2021. They're basically, their whole model is investing in, in mortgages and, you know, certain markets. They look to invest in target residential markets that are like distressed markets. And then they also do a lot in the multi, uh, in the multi uh, multifamily sector as well. Um, but they like to invest in, you know, and if people know about mortgages, you know, most likely when you get a mortgage, you're very lucky if your mortgage stay with the company that you actually, you know, signed up with. I mean, a lot of times these things get sold like the day after you close or a month after you close and sold to someone else. So this particular company, you know, do the research, NYMT. They invest in finance, manage mortgage related and financial assets. And, you know, like I said, I like they, they, they target, you know, distressed markets. They like distressed markets because, as I mentioned before, you know, there's value in distress, which a lot of people don't like. Everybody likes everything look shiny and new. But if everything looks shiny and new, then guess what? You're going to pay that shiny and new price versus getting something that's in a, you know, not necessarily dire straits, but something that gives you a chance to, you know, invest in and actually see a nice return over the course of, you know, said period of time. So I like that particular read. And like I said, that's one that I've actually been investing in for a couple of years. This is another one that I just started looking at fairly recently, the Realty Income Corporation. Stock ticker is actually O, just the letter O. This one is trading at $60 a share. If you know anything about these REITs, they kind of, they don't necessarily just focus on you know, one particular, most of them, I say, at least the ones that I've, I've, you know, done some research on, they don't focus on one particular uh, area of real estate for the most part. They kind of s- spread it across, um, whether it be, you know, mortgages, um, you know, actual residential, multifamily developments, commercial sectors, retail, some do industrial, manufacturing, um, they, it, it just it really depends, and which is why I kind of say I like the New York Mortgage Trust because I understand directly what their model is and how I can see why that would be a beneficial and you know financially lucrative opportunity because I understand exactly what their strategy is, what they're investing in, and why versus somebody that's kind of spread across you know a lot of different reasons. Not saying that there's anything bad with that, just speaking from my personal preference. Like I said, so we got the Avalon Bay communities. We've got the Realty Income Corporation, and then we've got the New York Mortgage Trust. One is trading at nine dollars and some change. One at one hundred and seventy-five dollars. One a little bit over sixty. Now, as far as you know, income or I'd say you know the growth of these particular stocks, Avalon Bay Communities has you know um, lost about a little under sixteen percent. Um, and it's in its stock value over the last year. Now, could that be a, uh, directly 
a direct correlation of what's underneath their umbrella because we know the, what the rates have done. So we've seen what the market has done. So they've, they've dipped over the last year. You know, 16% is, is kind of significant um, when you talk about a, a decline in anything. But over if you look at their numbers over the course of five years, we'd like to go back. They're up 11% over five years, but down over the last 12 months. Now, when you go and look at the Realty Income Corporation, they're up 20% over the last five years, right? They're up 20% over the last five years, but also down for the past 12 months, right? Down over the past 12 months. Now, the New York Mortgage Trust, and you can all look up this information. It's not anything. I gave you all the tickers, so you can kind of look up this information as well and see the tra- trajectory of you know the highs, the lows, when and why. Uh, New York Mortgage Trust, it's down 21% over the last year, right? $2.67 a share over the last 12 months. But guess what, though? You know, you, we know why. We, I mean, we can say what they I mean. They're investing in mortgages for the most part in residential and multifamily sectors. Well, we already been talking about the, the first half of the show that mortgages were down the Q3 and Q4 of 2022 directly because of the interest rates. And they really started to go down second quarter of 2022 because that's when that, you know, that real hike came and they started, you know, pulling back on allowing people to do refinances and things of that nature. So take a look at that one, because as people start buying and and mortgage applications start increasing even more, refinances start coming back. I mean, just from what I see and what we know with the industry, I would see that going up, right? Low entry point. So keep your eye on New York Mortgage Trust, Avalon Bay Communities. Like I said, that's one of the largest publicly uh, traded REITs out here. And then also uh, the Realty Income Corporation. Now, outside of the REITs, when we t- we're talking about real estate, right? So, you know, and we have our seasons. So kind of think outside the box a little bit and get inside the weeds and figure, hmm, well, if I'm going to build something, whether it be a house, a, a skyscraper, a mobile home park, a storage facility, whatever the case that may be, well, I need materials. You can't build anything without materials, right? So what are those sectors look like? Who are the largest, you know, publicly traded lumber companies, right? You know, who's providing these, you know, uh, sheet metal for your HVAC, for your duct work, um, you know, plastics, right? We use a lot of plastics in, in new construction for the PVC, for your plumbing. Get down in there a little bit and, and start looking at some of these other sectors that are directly related to real estate and construction, because you'll find that there are a lot of opportunities in those sectors as well, especially as we're heading into the, you know, the summer season where construction is at its highest peak. You should realistically see in some of these, you know, these companies that really have large volume of, you know, the business they're doing and see who they're doing business with. Are they associated with some of the larger, you know, new construction home developers out here? Because you can find all this information. It's not a secret. And say, hmm, okay, maybe I want to invest in, you know, the Boise Cascade Company. Oh, because they, you know, they do a lot of manufacturing of, you know, wood products, plastics. And, you know, I remember hearing Clayton say that, hey, well, you know, if I'm going to do new construction, I need these things. So outside of REITs, there are other opportunities that you can, you know, tie yourself into, you know, you know, the highs of real estate by looking at some of these companies. 
Um, and then also, you obviously, you've got the big box stores, right? You know, the orange and the blue. They're publicly traded companies. Look and see what they're doing. Um, see where see where their see where their traditional spikes happen at. You know, is it during a certain times of year? When are their peaks? Look at these things, and you don't you don't have to necessarily be an expert to see match up dates and prices, right? You know, you can be you can be a middle schooler and and and, and kind of put that correlation together. So, do your research and, and find those opportunities. Rock solid, rock solid. Thank you so much for that. There's a lot of opportunities out there. Got to do that research, but it seems like you got to put that thinking cap on first and figure out what, I guess, specific niche or is it niche or niche? What's your- I always say niche, but I hear people say niche in the way that you spell it. If you actually write it out, you probably should pronounce it niche, you know, or niche. Uh, but, you know, I'm from Schoolcraft for Evergreen, Brightmore. We say niche, you know. <laughs> fair enough fair enough always wanted to ask you know because I mean? i've said it different ways in different settings and almost always to play the same i say both and i honestly do that like in a whether it's a, a business meeting an interview i was speaking engagement and i'll say it just with full honesty like i don't know if it's a niche or niche because i've heard them both and you just see what the what the people say. But I think that's always interesting. I never really declared either side as the way. So I don't know the answer. So <laughs> right, right, right. You know. Yeah. I'm happy you brought that up. But the main thing is you need to have a focal point. And sometimes being small is being big. What you mentioned before, some people have uh peculiar angles, whether they do short-term rental, Airbnb, Viva RBO type stuff or they do the multi-families or whether they invest in, in in you know vacant land farm everybody got a thing their thing and that's their kind of their path to navigate real estate success but it seems like at a long-term perspective regardless of niche niche or what have you real estate is an essential asset class to consider investment in Absolutely. I love, like, I invest in stocks. I mean, I said that, you know, I dabble into crypto a little bit, not a lot because, you know, just because, you know, but I love real estate for the fact that I can see it. I can touch it. I can feel it. You know what I mean? That makes it real to me. Not saying these other things aren't real, but, you know, it's just something about being able to go touch my assets. You know, people like, oh, I, you know, people walk around, don't, you know, they want cash. They're like, I just, I just like cash. Like, to, you know, I just like to have the money. It's like to have the money. Well, that's how I feel about real estate. You know, I know it's there. It's actually there. You know, you can't tell me I don't have it because I can see it. It's, it's right there. So, and then it's tried and true, right? I mean, real estate is not going anywhere. Uh, it's been here longer than any of us. People are going to always need places to sleep. People are always going to have to go certain places to do certain things. There's always going to be a need for structures, right, of some form or fashion, Um, whether it be industrial, you know, buildings to to build all these nice, you know, phones and computers and TVs and all this technology that we use. Well, those things have to be manufactured somewhere. They don't come out of the clear blue sky. And those manufacturing facilities are real estate assets for someone. Real estate is, is is here. It's not going anywhere. It's just about figuring out, you know, where your entry point is and where your comfort level is for you to get in and start capitalizing on opportunities that present themselves. 
Great meals start with Mount Sinai olive oil. Mount Sinai olive oil is first cold pressed with no added preservatives, which gives it a rich and delicious flavor. No matter what's for dinner, Mount Sinai olive oil is here with the delicious pure oil to pair it with. Shop online at mountsinaioliveoil.com.